beautiful soul family, and welcome to the Walk On Podcast, the podcast where I try to demystify spirituality, personal growth and healing, and whatever else I feel like talking about. I'm your host, Britt Kinn. <laughs> I almost forgot to introduce myself. It's so funny. You do the same thing every week, and then you, like, fuck it up. It's like, I've been doing this for... <laughs> 84 weeks now and sometimes I'm still like what comes next (laughs) I'm your host Britt Cannon I'm obviously very good at my job this week's episode is called the golden rule and you know just for a little bit of background (laughs) so as an autistic person rules and guidelines are very important to me. That's not to say that I'm like a conformist or like that I like punitive measures or that like I've always done everything by the book. I definitely haven't and I'm definitely not a conformist. I am an abolitionist, an anarchist, you know, definitely a little wackadoodle. But I love a rule. I love a guideline. I love structure. And I am like all Libras, like all (laughs) autistic people or like many autistic people. I will say not all autistic people, but like many autistic people, I have a very strong sense of justice and like right and wrong and fairness. And in my life, it has made me very upset when things are unfair, like beyond what would be a reasonable reaction to something being unfair. I just like have never been someone who can swallow that like, well, life isn't fair. Like, I'm just like, well, it should be like, I just, I can't handle it. So there are certain things that, you know, my grandma for all of her issues and faults and like, My dog just dropped his bone. (laughs) And the ways that she was sort of hypocritical or struggled with her own wisdom and advice, she was, or is, I should say. We're no longer in contact, but she is still with us. Um, She is wise and like very intuitive. And anyone who's lived a lot of life is worth listening to because, you know, you just like live, you laugh, you love, you learn, (laughs) you lose, you learn, you choke, you learn, you know, you can't exist on this planet for a number of years without having some wisdom within you. And a lot of the stuff that she told me, I really took to heart. I've talked about this in other episodes, how I had this kind of like dogmatic attachment to her wisdom where I really swallowed it whole and I really like internalized it and lived my life similar to serial killer Dexter. (laughs) I lived my life by this moral code that I later found to be um, given to me by a very flawed person who didn't always have my best interests at heart. And so I had this like crisis of conscious conscience when I realized that she wasn't the morally superior like stand-up person that I thought she was she wasn't you know she's just a human she wasn't like a god but as a child and as a young person I really sort of saw her as one she was my spiritual advisor she was my life mentor she was my best friend and for all intents and purposes like my mother figure and my father figure and um so I just really took a lot of what she told me to heart. And one of those lessons was the golden rule. 
Now, I will say that I eventually came to a place of balance where you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is a really hilarious saying. <laughs> but, you know, you can you can take the good or take what resonates and leave the rest. You don't have to, like, take the totality of someone. Like, just because she was a flawed person and didn't necessarily follow her own advice doesn't mean that her advice wasn't valuable to me. And so I held on to the things that still resonated and I released the stuff, for example, about the gender binary or, or other problematic um, points of, you know, advice from her. Uh, so I, I think take what resonates, leave the rest is a great thing to live by in general. Like, you know, through life, I think that really helps us stay in the nuance instead of the black and white. We're like, I don't agree with this person about this thing, so I have to get rid of them. Or like, you know, I don't like everything this person has to say, so I think they're full of shit. You know, it's just certain things like transphobia, homophobia, racism, you know, someone who's super capitalist, I definitely will not take as seriously as someone who is like, you know... <laughs> I don't know, like, what? I was about to use Taylor Swift again. Like, can I move on? Let me find a different example. <laughs> Someone who's obsessed with, like, Ed Sheeran. You know? I'm like, well, I don't like him. But if our politics are aligned and we could talk about other things, you know, we don't... I don't need you to agree with me all the time. Um... I understand that I'm a little bit pretentious and like I can live with that. <laughs> so take what resonates, leave the rest. Um, the golden rule is something that my grandma used to talk about all the time. You can find the golden rule in many different like faiths and religions and societies. And it's basically in Bible language, it's Therefore, whatsoever you would that men should do unto you, do ye even so unto them. So it's just treat others how you wish to be treated. This has been presented in sort of a positive uh, framing or a negative framing or like a karmic sort of framing. So treat others as you would like others to treat you. That's like positive. Do not treat others in ways that you would not like to be treated, um, which is sort of prohibitive and then karmic is like what you wish upon others you wish upon yourself which is reminds me of like uh, a sort of curse in witchcraft mentality that's like you know what you what you do to others you will receive threefold especially in magical terms so like be careful what you wish for sort of thing. And as I was talking to my partner about this this morning that I was thinking of doing the podcast on this topic, she meant she reminded me of another way that this can be viewed in a totally different context, which is that like don't treat people the way that you want to be treated. <laughs> like listen to them about the way that they would want to be treated in terms of like love language and stuff like that, which I think is really fascinating and I would like to get into in this episode. So I really took this in and, and what it did was it really taught me integrity. You know, I also took <laughs> lessons of like a conscience, you know, like, like in Pinocchio, Jiminy Cricket, like my grandma would always tell me, let your conscience be your guide. And like your conscience is your moral compass or like 
the clue to your integrity. And if you feel like you did something wrong, like listen to that. And, and as an autistic person, like that really made sense to me. And so I did, I have always had a very strong conscience. I've always had a very strong moral compass, maybe even to my own detriment at times. It's not to say I've always done everything perfectly. There's definitely some things that I've done that that my conscience is like, yikes, babe. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will have to live with that. Um, but I do have a very strong moral compass that speaks to me very loudly. And it's really served me in my life. You know, I was once talking to this guy, we like this older man, he's like in his 70s. We met up on his birthday and dropped a bunch of acid and went to the Met and watched, looked at the rock and roll exhibit. And he was telling me about his life and like he had done some crazy shit. Like he was talking about how he's like, it's taken him a lot to heal because he'd really done some stuff that is tough to live with. And I was like, wow, I really haven't done that much (laughs) that, you know, I've made a pretty like soft dent on this world and that feels good in many ways. And that's because of my moral compass, but, um, it did also kind of set me up for a naive interaction with people that hasn't always served me. So like treat others how you wish to be treated regardless of how they're treating you. I don't think that that always serves. I don't think that the like turn the other cheek philosophy, even though I know that like historically, politically, it doesn't mean what people think it means. But I think that like quietly, stoically, peacefully, lovingly accepting abuse is not it. Like that's not the way to happiness or fulfillment. And I've had to like compensate (laughs) for the lesson of the golden rule in that way. Like I've had to learn to, if not like match energy, at least like pay attention to the way that others are treating me, right? Like if I'm always showing up sweet and understanding, I talk all the time about on this podcast how, you know, I would like, I would know, I would be able to feel and tell and intuit into how, like where people were coming from. So if someone was being, like really petty and mean to me and it was coming from a place of hurt or insecurity that's what I would tell myself I'd be like that's coming from a place of hurt and insecurity and so I'm just not going to take it seriously and I'm just going to like keep being loving and keep being patient and but I don't have a strong enough reserve resolve to like I don't have armor. You know what I mean? Like I'm very soft and I'm very open. And eventually that would lead to me kind of pulling away like a trust dissolution that would cause a rift and cause distance and distance and distance and distance until eventually I would like, I I would be like, I don't want to maintain this relationship at all. Like I don't trust this person. I don't want to be intimate with them. And I can't really do shallow relationships. So like, what am I doing here? Like, is this serving me or is this taking up time and energy that I could be giving to a relationship where I trusted the person and could facilitate intimacy and it would therefore be much more fulfilling. So I've had to learn to like treat others how you wish to be treated, but also pay attention to how others are treating you and if they're doing the same. Because sometimes the people that are the harshest, the most difficult, the most high conflict are also 
like carrying this sense of entitlement where they expect to be treated better than they treat people. I've known so many like high conflict, challenging people. Difficult is like sometimes a little too judgmental. (laughs) Challenging people who are so hair trigger sensitive. Like they're mean and they pick at you and they like destroy your confidence and they tear you down and they're just like super demanding and super judgmental. And if you say one thing, I remember I had this one friend who made fun of like little hairs on my face, made fun of my, not made fun of my weight, but was constantly making comments about my size, whether positive or negative. I struggle I have struggled with eating disorder stuff and body image stuff. And so I ask people that are close to me, like, please don't make comments about my size, whether I'm bigger or smaller than the last time you saw me, like, just keep it to your fucking self. I don't want to hear it. And she would not listen and would always do it. Always, always, always. And it would drive me insane. She would nitpick my performances. She would just like criticize. She would criticize the way I packed a bowl when we were smoking weed, like just hyper critical all the time. She once told me I reminded her of an old lady and she reminded her like, (laughs) it's neither here nor there. But one time I just made a comment about how I have, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't slept. I haven't been sleeping so well. And I have these like dark circles under my eyes and I never have dark circles under my eyes. It's so weird. And she is someone who always had dark circles under her eyes. And I truly didn't mean it like pointed towards her. Um, I didn't even realize that she was insecure about it, but she like totally shut down and iced me out for like hours because she was pissed that I was talking about my own dark circles. Meanwhile, she's calling me an old lady to her ingenue. She's making fun of my facial hair. She's like picking on my weight and and picking on the way I do everything and the way I talk and the music I like. And blah, blah, blah. I say one thing that's not even directed, directed towards her, but just triggered her a little. Uh, and she couldn't fucking take it. And I think that's pretty standard practice for people who are, you know, who are hyper judgmental and who do kind of nitpick people in order to make them themselves feel better. Uh, they are much more sensitive than the people that they berate for being sensitive. (laughs) I don't know. It's just like, isn't that funny? It reminds me, actually, I record these episodes like sort of a week in advance. So this is, this will go out a month. This is Tuesday, March 29th, and it will be released on Monday, April, whatever. And so, uh, the other night was the Oscars when Will Smith slapped the shit out of Chris Rock And you know the phrase, talk shit, get hit, like, (laughs) Chris Rock made a a very unkind joke about Jada Pinkett Smith and her bald head. She looks gorgeous, by the way. Um, And she's been struggling. It's, like, well known that she's been struggling with alopecia and she's been, like, not feeling super good about it and just, like, having to confront her insecurity and stuff. And so on national TV, in front of an audience of, like, these rich and powerful people, he decides to make a G.I. joke at her expense. And Will Smith goes up on stage and slaps the shit out of him to defend his wife. Um, I think that's super fucking cool. And I think it's like, if you, like, treat others how you want to be treated, like... 
would you like something that you're deeply insecure about? Would you like someone to get on stage into a microphone and make fun of you in front of everyone you know about it? Um, probably not. Like, just think before you act. Consider the feelings. Just, like, have a little bit of foresight and a little bit of empathy. And this is something that all of us could stand to work on. It's like, does this need to be said? Is this helpful? Is this productive? Is this kind? Is this even funny if you're a comedian? Because the joke wasn't even funny. G.I. Jane is like so old. The reference is like long gone. People have shaved heads now. It's like normal. Like people shave their fucking heads, Chris Rock. (laughs) G.I. Jane is so 2000 and late. (laughs) It's actually like 1998 and late. Um, so it's not even funny. So it doesn't serve your purpose. You're, it's not edgy, you know, it's, it's just tired and like lazy and mean. And, and I think that the, these are questions we can ask ourselves when we're interacting with others. Like, you know, like I was talking about in my last episode about mindful communication, like if your first reaction is to go on the offensive when communicating with someone, and so you want to like throw an insult at, out at them. You want to like pick on them. You want to turn the conversation around on them if you're feeling attacked because someone's trying to lay a boundary with you or if someone's straight up attacking you. You know, instead of like someone says something to you that hurts your feelings and so you say something back to them that hurts their feelings and then they say something back to you that hurts your feelings, that just escalates and escalates and escalates until it gets to a point where it's so mean and so out of control that like, is, is it even possible to come back from this? And I know a lot of people who, this is how they have conflict. Like this is how they interact with the world and they have difficulty, you know, they have a hard time existing in like workspaces with other people. They have a hard time in their relationships. They have a hard time maintaining friendships. They have a hard time with just like being in community with others because they just drive people away with this kind of interaction when it doesn't need to be that way. So if someone's coming at you aggressively like that, it's almost always better to go softer. And that doesn't mean to put up with what they're saying. It's just to to be in your own conscience, you know, stick to your own integrity of the golden rule, stand firm, remain calm and be like, hold on. I will not be spoken to that way. If we can't deal with this conflict in a way that's more productive than that, then I will not be having this conversation. I will just remove myself. Like that's not combative. It's not antagonistic. You're not escalating the situation. In fact, you're like diffusing it by being like, if we can't communicate on equal footing and on equally respectful terms, if we can't put the golden rule at the center of this conversation, then we need to not have it right now. And I think that's also important if you are too emotional to have a conversation. I think it's always okay to be like, I think I'm a little too upset right now to engage in this in a way that's like thoughtful and productive. So I would like a little time to calm down and we can talk about this at a later date. I have tried to <laughs> to enforce that boundary in, in conflict with certain very high conflict people. And I will tell you, it doesn't go well. They really get offended. (laughs) They really want to solve problems right here in this moment. And by solving problems, I mean, they want to, you know, assault you with a barrage of 
insults and attacks on your character and, you know, have you prostrate yourself and be like, I'm so sorry, you're so great, you're so wonderful, I fucked up, I'm a terrible person, I'm a piece of garbage, which isn't productive. I do not like when... I am confronting someone about some harmful behavior or something that just bothered me and that's their, um, I don't like people to prostrate themselves. I don't want that. That doesn't feel good for me, for someone to be like, I'm a terrible friend. I'm a bad person. You're right. I do everything wrong. Like don't pull an Eeyore on me. That's (laughs) not what I want. I don't want anyone to feel like shit about themselves. I just want things to improve. I just want to facilitate and nurture a healthier relationship and healthier communication, truly. And when someone expects that from me, I think it's very strange. I think it's a really weird choice. I think it's a big red flag for their character and their communication style. And it it makes me put my guard up. So the golden rule is a kind of like let's start at a baseline of mutual respect. Let's start at the baseline of namaste, of that which is universal in me, sees and respects that which is universal in you, and that which is human and flawed in me, sees and respects that which is human and flawed in you. I do not expect perfection from anyone. I think that is super unfair. It's dehumanizing, it's objectifying, it's not fucking cool. So let's just like get perfection out of our heads. We don't expect it from ourselves and we don't expect it from each other. That is like the kindest place to start from. Let's also start from a place of of well-meaning, you know, and not that everyone means well. Let's also start from a place of open-mindedness, like putting aside preconceived notions because assuming that everyone had my own best interests at heart has been sort of a fatal flaw of mine. You cannot assume that everyone has your best interests at heart. You can only assume that people are either operating from a place of awareness or a lack of awareness from a place of consciousness or unconsciousness. And and if you can start there, you know, we're both flawed, we're both probably a little bit unconscious, this conflict is trying to show us something, or this relationship is trying to show us something, this interaction is trying to show us something about ourselves and each other, and if we can both be soft and receptive to one another, if we can treat each other how we would like to be treated in this scenario, because the double standard shit has got to go. Like Being like, I am allowed to be flawed, but you are not, is not okay. (laughs) Um... It's just not. It's immature, it's silly, and it's really unkind. So let's redo it. Erase that (laughs) ridiculous double standard and start from a place of openness, right? I can't even, I mean, I'm really sorry to harp on this, but I cannot get over the people who carry these kinds of double standards. Like someone will freeze you out and refuse to talk to you about an issue you're having and be super passive aggressive. I think this all the time, like the people who have bullied me and abused me emotionally, if I treated them a fraction of the way they treated me, they would lose it. They could not stand it. If they had to live with themselves, like if they had to be me interacting with themselves, they would, their feelings couldn't take it. And that's really helpful to me in moving forward with my life. Like, you know, I don't know, like they aren't 
in the space of treating others how they wish to be treated. They're in the space of treating others however they want to treat them and expecting a certain amount of like better treatment back. And that's just not fair. It's illogical and it's unkind. (laughs) And that really helps me in maintaining distance and like and in nurturing relationships that aren't that way, that operate from a place of like mutual understanding, reciprocity, and just like respect. <laughs> um, so if you think about how you'd like to be treated in relationships, at work, in conflict and tough times, and like set a standard for how you will be treated. And and then never ask anyone for anything that you wouldn't be willing to give yourself so like you know if I want space you know if what I need is like a slow interaction with plenty of space for me to get my feelings together to get my thoughts together to be able to put it into words to communicate it properly then I have to be patient with others and give them space if I need and understanding that I am flawed, that I make mistakes, that I will not show up perfectly 100% of the time, that I'm gonna fuck up, then I also have to give others that space. It's totally unfair to ask for something that you wouldn't be willing to give. And if you're not willing to give it, then ask yourself, (laughs) you know, if you need to be asking for it. This is like people who you know, partners who are like, I am entitled to go through your phone because I don't trust you. And, but they don't want their phone gone through. You know, there's like a double standard there or like, I expect you to answer me with where you are, who you're with immediately with no time between text messages. Otherwise I'm going to freak the fuck out. And, but vice versa when they're out and having a good time they put their phone away and they like can't be bothered you know these double standards put uh you know it's sort of like a a teeter-totter or a seesaw that they put one person way up in the air and the other down on the ground and there's no equality there like it's not (laughs) it's not sustainable it's not fair it's not like best practices for relationships and it shows that you know what you're asking is unreasonable if you're not willing to give it maybe that's the case or if um if you're not in a space where you're like mature enough to give it uh you know like I expect you to trust me but I don't trust you then that means it might be a me problem. Like that means it might be something that you need to work on. Like in regard to understanding that trust is something that takes time and effort to build. Like trust is a kind of thing that sort of needs evidence, not in the sense that you're putting someone through the ringer, like they're on fucking emotional wipeout and you're like throwing these booby trap tests at them. But in the sense that like, you can't just start off like, You can't just start out being like, I trust you with my life. I'm going to tell you all my most intimate secrets. Like, you're going to know everything about me. You're going to know my ATM card password and logins to my Facebook or like whatever. No, you start slow. You get to know each other. You kind of like have conversations. You see how each other responds to life and then, and how you treat one another and then trust forms. 
I used to really like love people just like love first ask questions later and then (laughs) five years later I'd be like oh shit this person isn't like someone that I really feel comfortable interacting with and then it's so much work to like extricate yourself from that relationship whereas if I had taken things slow and taken my time and like let the trust have the space it needed to form or not form it wouldn't I wouldn't have been in so deep right I would have like had space to figure it out and then I wouldn't it wouldn't have had to get so ugly and like I wouldn't have had to like end so many relationships I could have kept them at arm's length at like an acquaintance level but because I had this propensity to like jump in with both feet first it becomes much harder when you finally realize who the person is to like get yourself safe and get yourself distance and that is proof to me that like a healthy relationship takes time like a healthy friendship takes time you you click, you know, you you click with all kinds of people for all kinds of different reasons, but the click isn't the only thing, right? It isn't just like, oh, you're familiar to me because it could be that in a past life, one of you stabbed the other to death, you know what I mean? <laughs> like clicking just means that your souls knew each other before. It doesn't mean that you were like destined to be. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to know this person always. In fact, in most cases, it doesn't. So the click isn't the whole story. You still need to like vet the person. You still need to take things slow. You still need to get to know them. And when they show you who you are, oops, when they show you who they are, believe them. Um, on that note, we're going to take a little break for some ads. See you in a minute. Bye. Brought to you by the haunted mind of Brit Cannon. A walk-on production. Flight of the Final Girl. A journey through the nightmare of generational trauma and into the sunrise of survival. Run, don't walk. It's Flight of the Final Girl. Anywhere books are sold. Welcome back. I hope you like those super cool ads. (laughs) I feel so legit that I have like ads in the middle of my podcast now. So treat others how you wish to be treated. Um, I think this is also like, you know, in the karmic context of the golden rule, it's like if you wish ill will on others, that ill will will come back to you. And I think that's really interesting and also (laughs) sort of seems true because I think like wishing bad wishing for bad things to happen to people is like I mean I'm all for cursing like I have cursed people in my life and it has worked and it's wonderful but I mainly curse um in the way of like binding rituals so like I don't want to be negatively affected by this person anymore. I don't want to be contacted by this person anymore. I just want to be left alone. I just want my energy back. I want that person to have their energy back. Anything that they did to me, I send it back to them. And that's just sort of like a symbolic ritual that allows me to release 
pain and like blocks and any kind of negative mark that that interaction may have left on me. But I think that, you know, you get this sense as you move through life that like, you know, it's like jealousy. All people are capable of experiencing jealousy to various degrees of intensity. And sometimes when you see someone who's like really good looking or really charming or really smart, or you see something in someone else that you think is beautiful, but you're not mature enough to appreciate it in that manner and instead it makes you feel insecure so like I see that that thing exists in you so it must be lacking in me when really the truth is if you are able to recognize beauty in someone else that is because it exists in you because you're in alignment with that quality But if you're not mature enough to see it that way, it will manifest as jealousy. And that jealousy is the evil eye curse, right? Like it is, it is wishing ill on someone else. It's wanting what they have. It's like a covetousness, which is a, (laughs) you know, it's one of the 10 commandments sort of don't be covetous. Like don't want what someone else has. Be happy for them that they have it. Be joyful of them that they have it. And I don't think that people realize like what jealousy does <laughs> to others, like what it takes from them. It's like, you know, you work really hard and you create like a piece of art that you're really proud of that has taken a lot of time and energy and you, and you want to share it with someone you love and you expect them to have like a proud reaction or an excited reaction or like uh, some kind of good emotional supportive reaction. And instead you're met with like, silence or coldness or or criticism and it's not to say that like every you know you should never criticize your friend's work or anything like that it's just to say that like sometimes you just want to like great job or I'm proud of you or like someone to shout you from the rooftops a little bit and when someone doesn't out of jealousy what does that do well it it knocks you down it makes you think wow, this must not be that great because my, you know, this person that's supposed to love me isn't reacting in a way that shows me that it's great. I really needed some good feedback. You know, it feels very vulnerable to put yourself out there in this way. And this person is just like gone quiet on me. You know, it's just that you're taking someone's joy. You're like sucking the wind out of their sails. And I think in the treat others how you wish to be treated, I think it's so funny I think it's so funny how artists on the internet, and I'm sure I've been guilty of this too, artists on the internet will be like, you know, nobody supports me, like nobody shares my work, my work is you know, like people are so jealous, they don't support their friends, they only support famous people, and then their friends release something, and what is it? Crickets. They don't share anything. Hilarious. absolutely hilarious but if everyone could like put their little egos aside put the myth of scarcity that capitalism teaches us aside and would treat others how they wish to be treated and share and and celebrate and congratulate and affirm like how much warmer would the world especially the internet world be how much more supportive and caring and like yay, 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 would the world be? (laughs) Um, A lot more is the answer. A lot, a lot fucking more. (laughs) 
so in I think also like treat the world like the earth our home it's just about moving through this reality in a way that is soft in a way that is loving in a way that is generous in a way that is kind and in a way that is like thoughtful you know um it reminds me of when you you know when you go on a long hike and they say take only photographs leave only what is it footprints <laughs> leave only, something like that where it's like don't disturb you know be part of this space but don't really like make an impact on it don't take anything that belongs here because every piece is important don't leave anything here because it disturbs you know the the beings that exist here where it is their home and not just the place they're visiting that's like the golden rule in a nature context and (laughs) i think it's you know another sort of fascinating um example of someone breaking the golden rule or not living by the golden rule or not having a moral compass or a conscience or integrity you know these ceos not only do they exploit resources exploit the land they hoard money they exploit their workers (laughs) but they're like refusing to to lose a dollar to like change the way they do things in a way that is more gentle for the earth And I think that that's like, you know, as I always talk about in a microcosmic and macrocosmic context, this breaking of the golden rule exists. And again, it's not to say that like you have to show up to every interaction and treat everyone kindly, you know, and like (laughs) infinitely lovingly, because I don't think that's possible. I think probably that all spiritual teachers, you know, I'm sure that I mean, I'm, I don't even have to like uh, speculate. Like Jesus was flipping tables. Like Jesus was whipping bankers in the street. Jesus turned the other cheek Christ. It was like, fuck your hoarding of wealth. Like, <laughs> fuck your hypocrisy. I'm flipping this table and I'm beating your ass. <laughs> and I think that like a lot of spiritual teachers would could make a bigger difference if they would admit their flaws, you know, admit like I get frustrated in traffic, you know, I've gone off on a person or two. (laughs) I don't really like being around other people because they're fucking rude and their unconsciousness gets on my goddamn nerves, you know, just be honest about it because no one shows up perfect 100% of the time. No one is always like in alignment with God, like, I am perfect. Yes, my child. Infinite patience, my child, because it doesn't really serve. I think like to ignore our humanity in favor of, you know, and only interacting with the parts of us that are holy and divine and perfect is like a mistake. We're here on the earth, feet on the ground for a reason. (laughs) Like celebrating our flaws is part of that. I mean, I mean that on like a physical body positive level. And I also mean that on a like, we're supposed to fuck up. How do you learn if you don't fuck up? Part of riding a bike is falling off the bike, you know? (laughs) And I think the fear of not being good at stuff really holds us back. And also like being embarrassed of our humanity, being embarrassed of our emotions, being embarrassed of fucking up to an extent that we hide it and that we turn it into shame and that that shame just lives inside of us, like eating at our insides is, 
a mistake. I think that if we all just admitted a little bit more, not with shame, not with self-deprecation, but with just like honesty and humor and levity, that we are all just stumbling through the dark, making it up as we go along, (laughs) everyone would feel a lot better. So I'm not saying like, treat others how you wish to be treated. Like always be perfect. Always keep your composure, you know, never flip out on someone, never be out of pocket. No, be out of pocket. Like, (laughs) but just carry with you a baseline of respect for all living beings. You know, it always reminds me of when you, I mean, I have both been a server at a restaurant and like gone to restaurants with these types of people. And it's always horrible. It's a terrible experience when you go to a restaurant with someone who is like super entitled and has no empathy for the server and is just hypercritical and also doesn't tip. Like they run the person ragged. They're super duper critical. They're unkind. If it's a dude, a straight cis dude, sometimes they like awkwardly hit on or flirt with the server. If she, if they happen to be like a woman or perceived as a woman or whatever and and so there's this like power over situation that's happening where like the person being served just wants to exert some power over the person doing the serving and uh and it's really uncomfortable and it's really mean and like having been a server and also just being someone that like has empathy I am you know no matter how, if the food is wrong, you know, if it takes a long time, if the person seems distracted, if they forget to come back from to the table, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm always just like, it's okay. People have bad days. Serving is one of the most difficult jobs on the planet. <laughs> um, shit happens, you know, just like, who cares? It's like a night out. It's a fucking dinner. Like you're just going to eat it and shit it out. Like chill, you know? Be kind, be compassionate. Maybe someone's having a bad day. Maybe they just got yelled at by their boss. Maybe the kitchen's giving them a hard time. Maybe working here sucks. Maybe the person's tired. Maybe they're on their period. Like you don't fucking know. Start from a place of respect and the whole interaction might go better. And you won't be the reason someone has a bad day. Like I don't ever want to be the reason why someone has a bad day. Again, occasionally I will fuck up. Occasionally I will like, you know, not be totally conscious of the other person's feeling. Like we all are sometimes in our own heads and like kind of lost in our own experiences and we forget to consider others. But like, don't go out of your way to make someone else's lived experience more difficult. Like, (laughs) how do you live with yourself if you're someone who like operates in that way? And I think that that's where entitlement comes from. That's where disrespect comes from. That's even where like biases and like prejudices, like why, why do you care if you're a cis person? Why do you care how a trans person lives their life? If you're a white person, what what could possibly be the harm in educating young people about like the actual history of the United States of America? Like what is the real harm of people learning about the transatlantic slave trade or like the fact that we enslaved humans and 
bought and sold and like property like what is there's no harm in that really except for your own ego and your own white supremacist agenda or your own cis heteropatriarchal agenda you don't want to lose power and that's the only reason that comes from a place of like you don't give a fuck about the fact that you're making life less safe for someone you don't give a fuck about the fact that you're perpetuating ignorance actually it's not even not giving a fuck it's like you're intentionally doing that you're intentionally causing harm you're intentionally clinging on to your little bit of power in a way that is like so harmful and so disgusting that it's like embarrassing that we're part of the human the same human race like <laughs> I'm embarrassed <laughs> to be alive at the same time as you. Um, on to the other side of the point before I get too lost in a political rant. Um, I think that better, I just want to say one more thing. Um, I think that better understanding the experiences of others, of people who don't share our same experiences, only makes you a better person. It only expands your heart and your empathy. And it only leads, it can only lead to a better, more equitable, safer, more loving, more understanding, more rich and complex and multifaceted world. It only leads to more love, more compassion, more goodness, and a better and safer experience for all. Point blank period. No harm comes from learning about different experiences. Zero. Zero harm. Okay? Fuck you. Um, now, assuming that other people want to be treated exactly the same way as you is also problematic. So like, yes, treat others the way you want to be treated when it comes to communication, when it comes to respect, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to... Um, compassion and empathy and understanding and like being listened to but as far as like love languages like the point of knowing your love language and your partner's love language and your friend's love language and your boss's love language and you know everyone you interact with the point of knowing them is so that you can love them right and that you can communicate how you want to be loved so if you're someone who really loves gifts and surprises and like public displays of affection, but your partner is someone that needs quality time and words of affirmation. You showing up at their work with balloons and doing public displays of affection, even though it embarrasses them and um, yeah, just like giving them gifts, like that's not going to touch their heart. What you need to do is stop doing what you like, <laughs> learn what they like and do what they like. That's how you like make people feel valued and seen and understood. And then vice versa, you know, if you know your partner is like a gifts oriented person if you want to make them feel loved, then even though gifts don't resonate with you, you know it does with them, and so you act accordingly. So to just assume that everyone is the way you are, I think across the board is, <laughs> is a mistake. I, as I was saying before, in terms of my own discernment, it has not served me to assume that everyone is coming from the same place of respect and like saying what they mean and meaning what they say and that there's no subtext 
you know, that people aren't laying traps for you to, <laughs> to get caught up in, that people have unrealistic expectations for your behavior. Like I, none of that occurred to me and that didn't serve me because I was like very unpleasantly surprised <laughs> when it turned out that they weren't operating from the same place. And in terms of like also loving, you know, to assume that someone likes exactly what you like, to assume that, to assume that you know someone better than they know themselves is not a good thing because you're going to end up in conflict and you're going to end up making the person feel unappreciated, making them feel like you don't know them, making you feel, making them feel um, not listen to. And, you know, I almost did this. I couldn't decide. Sometimes I have a really hard time, Libra, deciding what to do the episodes on. Sometimes I have them planned out for like two months. And then sometimes I just kind of flow with it and I'm in a flow with it period. And I almost did one on like how to listen, like how to active listen. And instead I settled on this golden rule thing because I think it's really important. You know, if you want to be listened to, listen listen. <laughs> you know, if you want to speak without being interrupted, then listen without interrupting. You know, like you give what you get, you get what you give. Um, don't be the kind of person that like lives so in contradiction and hypocrisy that like you, it's impossible for you to treat others as you wish to be treated because you want to treat others any type of way and you don't want to follow any of the rules. And then you become this like insufferable, per insufferable person that no one wants to be around. And that the only people that can stand to be around you are people that are like unhealthily attached to that kind of mistreatment like that's not the way for intimacy that's not the way for connection and you know I'm really stepping out of this belief that like no one can change like I don't want to be I don't want to be part of the like narcissistic abuse healing community anymore because it's just starting to feel really mean <laughs> to me and like judgmental and I've definitely been in it you know and I've definitely been hurt by people that I would go so far as to say are probably somewhere pretty high on the narcissism spectrum but like if you're listening to this and you resonate with like that kind of high conflict personality like maybe take a look at it I just that's all I want to say it's like maybe look at it you know <laughs> if you've driven someone from your past away with those types of behaviors you can always change you know you can always do better in the next situation no longer having anyone mistreating me in my day-to-day -day life and my interpersonal relationships has really made me um a lot more optimistic that people can change and like a lot more like I'm just not as personally invested in whether or not they do and so like I can open myself up more to like advising people who are struggling with those kinds of high conflicts personalities because I'm not being actively hurt by them and that's really nice. So that's why I've made this like shift in my language and I'm really trying to like watch the way that I talk about these things and not write anyone off as like someone who who wants to be a helper and like a guide in you know in this kind of healing work because I mean we've all done shit we're not proud of, right? Like if you're showing up here, you're probably resonating with that message of like, 
Welp. <laughs> I'm definitely wounded. And like, I just want to start. I want to treat people how I want to be treated. And I don't really like the people who have written me off because of my autism usually, you know, because I can't always be available to hang out and socialize because sometimes taking a train is too much for me because I get lost on the way to important events and I miss them because I'm chronically ill and sometimes I'm in too much pain to fucking move or like, you know, like (laughs) I want openness and respect and compassion and understanding and space and time. And so that's what I'm trying to give right here, right now. Um, again, not as likely to do that in my interpersonal relationships to people who are, what is that tweet? You know, they're like committed to misunderstanding me, but that's why I'm able to hold space in this context of this podcast and in my teaching and like mentorship work. Um, so don't just assume what people want and don't like just listen to them you know when someone tells you who they are believe them in like a way that's like if they're like by the way I'm like a totally bad person and I mistreat everyone I love and all my ex-girlfriends are crazy and (laughs) you know for some reason everyone's like really traumatized after they know me and I don't know why (laughs) listen and if someone's like you know you know, I really need to be loved in a way that prioritizes touch and quality time. Or like, I really need to be heard to make me feel safe. Or like, I need our conflicts to be respectful and equitable and like, um, and based on intimacy and sharing. Like if someone gives you this information, if someone gives you the beautiful gift of making themselves vulnerable enough to tell you the truth of them, listen, receive that with love and gratitude and be like, oh my God, thank you so much for sharing this with me. I talked about this in my last episode, but when someone lets me know the ways that they are wounded and like the things that, you know, if someone lets me see the softest parts of them, I hold those so dear. Like I really cherish seeing that. I really cherish the sharing and I am so careful with those parts. It's not the same thing as walking on eggshells. Walking on eggshells is like the stress of never knowing what kind of reaction you're going to get or what, you know, whether the person's going to be like, angry and aggressive or like cold and withdrawn or what you know for a moment you can be having like the best day ever and then all of a sudden you said something innocuous that you didn't expect to upset them and suddenly you're frozen out you know walking on eggshells is like from that sort of place where you're so nervous and tense because you know that at any second because of any issue things can go horribly awry (laughs) but this kind of holding you know, holding the softest parts of someone with care is different. It's like you're, someone's not necessarily a ticking time bomb, but we all have wounds. And, you know, when I say to someone like, you know, I, these are the things I struggle with. And when I'm sharing the things that I struggle with, with you, things like getting lost things like time management and being late, things like I can't always show up 
for you. I want to, you know, it hurts me when I can't. It hurts me when I have to bail, but I try my hardest and I just, it hurts me so bad to be judged and like, and, um, and not considered someone worthy of love because I struggle with these things, you know? I expect the people that I love to listen to those things and to hold space for those things and to be patient with those things, just as I would with their bugaboos, you know, and their like (laughs) wounds and flaws and the things that they stumble over. And when I share them, I'm saying like, I like you, I trust you, I want a relationship with you to work, I want to be able to do this in a sustainable way, and so let me be upfront and kind of like tell you the things that I struggle with, the things that I have a hard time with, and that is an act of love. A boundary is an act of love. That kind of honesty is is an attempt to forge a really strong foundation that is lasting. And if someone doesn't hear me or if someone assumes that I'm making things up or that I'm preparing for them, like preparing them to be disappointed by me, you know, I really, it really shocks me whenever I give someone this information and they don't even hear it. Like it's, they refuse to accept that it's true. They refuse to accept the totality of me and they're like, you know, but you're so smart or like, but you're so good at socializing, but you're so this, like you couldn't possibly struggle with that. And it's like, but I'm telling you, I do, you know, I, I expect to be heard in that way. And anytime anyone brings a struggle to me, I really do like value it and listen to it. I mean, nobody knows you better than you do, right? Nobody. And if someone's trying to tell you, I know you better than you know yourself, you know it's fucking horseshit because they don't. They couldn't possibly. They could not possibly. And that is why we need to listen. Open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, and receive the other in the way that we would like to be received. And as you align yourself with that kind of like way of operating in the world, you will attract people who also value that, you know, people who will see that in you and not see it as something to be exploited or something that needs to be manipulated. They'll see it as something that's really a big strength, you know, like I want that person on my team. I want someone with that kind of integrity, like in my chosen family, I want that in my community. I want to work from that space as well. And they'll see it as a huge benefit, a huge strength, and they'll be able to meet you where you are. I think sometimes there's this fear of aligning with that kind of integrity of like, I'm going to be so difficult. Like people aren't going to like me. I'm going to lose everyone because everyone I'm interacting with now really likes the way that I don't stand up for myself. And like, I I hate being a burden and like, you know, I don't want to be challenging. And we're afraid really at the bottom, the bottom line of like that kind of sentiment is that we're afraid of being rejected and we're afraid of being alone. I went through this so much when I was like trying to interact from an emotionally intelligent place where like I needed to know where I stood in all of my relationships and like and and wherever I stood was fine. Like I didn't have any expectations or any notions of like 
moving things into a place where they weren't supposed to go or like, you know, I was just, I just wanted a verbal confirmation that everyone was on the same page and I would be met with so much resistance. And at the time it really scared me and it really made me feel rejected. It really made me feel hard to love. And that those are when you have lived with that kind of trauma of like, of lifelong rejection, of lifelong abandonment, of, of being told explicitly, explicitly you're a burden, of like not being liked by your family of origin, like those kinds of situations feel really tough and they like trigger you on a primal level that is really hard to navigate. But eventually I figured out like if this person can't even have a conversation about like what we're doing and can't even name it like it's too uncomfortable to even tell the truth of what this relationship is without any expectation or or moving in any direction or whatever they can't even like say what they want then maybe that's not the kind of person that I need to be dealing with and and you know that's the toughie like that's the (laughs) the part that's really difficult is you you have to be willing to kind of flow with the information, you know, flow with people's reaction. If you are treating people the way you want to be treated, um, but they can't do the same, then that just speaks to uh, a little dissonance, you know, being out of alignment and that's okay. And as with everything I talk about, when you start to employ these tactics, when you start to live by, um, you know, your own philosophy of like self-love and boundaries and when to walk away, there is walking away that needs to happen. There is like a give and take with the universe and trust and faith and flow are so important. And if you elevate yourself, if you like really step into your integrity, if you know your boundaries, if you know your do's and don'ts, if you challenge yourself to like be the best version of yourself in all interactions even if you fall short sometimes but like you're always working on it you're always learning you're always growing you're always healing then you will see everything in your life transform and like sort of rise to the occasion and meet you where you are and it really becomes fulfilling and beautiful and like the best, (laughs) the best gift, truly. So do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that also means listening. If you'd like to check out all the things that I'm up to, you can go to my website, brickcannon.me, where you find photos, videos, blog posts that go hand in hand with this podcast. And also there's some extra ones thrown in there. You can sign up for my self-love course. This is a course that I designed using the skills and tools that I've learned along my journey to help you cultivate and nurture a more loving and respectful relationship with yourself. We use journaling, we use self care rituals we use mirror work we use guided meditations and lots of other things including two tarot readings from me one at the beginning of the course and one at the end of the course to help you set an intention and and just clarify what it is that um the universe would like you to be working on at this moment so if you'd like to sign up for that you can do so on my services page where you can also book just a regular old private tarot reading or an astrology consultation or if you'd like to take the self-love course a step further and do a one-on-one mentorship with me that's available as well you can 
find links to my YouTube pages, Walk On Podcast, which is just 20 or so-ish minute YouTube summaries of these podcast episodes, but they're video in case someone is more visual than audio oriented. Um, and also my Brit Cannon YouTube page, which is my music and poetry. You can also find links to my music, my debut EP Mantra, which is a, this is what this, the theme song to this podcast, Walk On, is from. It's a lot of acapella pop songs and a full-length album by my good friend Lokomoko, who I was featured on his most recent album, Shiny Silver Snakes. You can check that out too. And that's that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing the work. Happy healing. Bye.